Welcome to the Revival Center Podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and thoughts from our church. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Revival Center Podcast. We're so glad that you're here joining us again today. And if this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. That's the best way that you can keep up to date with everything that is going on here on our podcast, whether that's our revival talks, our devotions, our sermon series, whatever you find here, by hitting that subscribe button, you will know immediately when we have new content coming out. And I can say I have missed you guys. Um, the last few episodes I've not been a part of because my uh, firstborn, my baby daughter, was born uh, on December 8th. And so a uh, very exciting time. Uh, we're just blessed. My wife and I are super blessed. And so I was on paternity leave. And so I know that you guys were in great hands with Pastor Josh and what happened. Uh, the, the episodes finishing up our series on the hallmarks of Christmas, the marks of the season, and as well, the wonderful reading of the Christmas story by some of our Revival kids. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope if you haven't listened to those episodes, make sure you go back, give those a listen. I tell you, they were awesome, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. So as we've rounded off into this new year, I hope you guys are having a good start uh, to your year here this first week of 2023. Um, honestly, I when I was uh, thinking about the new year and thinking about all that that entails of of kind of restarting, especially if you're uh, like us in a church where you kind of have a you know you kind of have a rhythm to the year. You have a, a calendar uh, that you follow, and of course the church is in particular very big on that. Of you know you have big dates you are working towards like big things. You have months that are specific, like they're ones we always know. You always know. February, you're going to be thinking about Valentine's, December that we just came out of, obviously, the Christmas season. And so uh, for our church, and I know if you're a part of our church or if you've been listening to the podcast for um, any length of time, you know that January is our focus, our refocus on missions. And so um, that's one of the big parts. Another uh, couple parts of this time for our church is that we do emphasize prayer and fasting. Um, so I do want to, before I really dive into uh, our our topic today, I do want to really emphasize the fact that uh, I highly recommend starting off your year with a renewed focus on prayer and just going back into the discipline of fasting. Uh, we see all throughout the Old and New Testaments uh, an emphasis on fasting. Uh, you know, Jesus says, when you fast, when he's talking about uh, how you fast, not being like the Pharisees and the way that he was talking about it, but uh, there's a, a emphasis there on fasting being a normal part of a Christian's walk with the Lord. And so uh, we as a church, we don't do a church-wide fast in like some churches do um, in that everybody does the same fast for the same amount of days. We, we understand that some people, um, for health reasons or different things, fast may not look the same for everybody. Some people may do a Daniel fast. Some people may do a total fast with only liquids or may just be uh, fasting certain things that you like. Um, always what I say is that it's only a fast if you're fasting things that you enjoy. Um, everyone could fast asparagus, so fasting asparagus does not count, um, although honestly, I kind of like asparagus, but that's neither here nor there. You get my point. Um, so just if, uh, if it's a couple days, if it's uh, every other day or however works for you, we highly 
say that, you know, starting off your year in prayer, in fasting, just emphasizing on this. And, you know, for us here at our church, we're praying and fasting, and one of our big topics that we're talking about is missions. And uh, we're praying uh, every year we focus on missions as we start our new year. Um, At the end of this uh, month, we will have a wonderful event. We're actually going to be having uh, Greg Mundus, who is the Assemblies of God World Missions Director. He will actually be at our missions banquet uh, on the 21st, and then uh, he will be in service with us as well on uh, the 22nd. And so uh, we're just super excited for that, and uh, you know that's where it ends up, and we actually do our pledges for the entire year of what we would give to missions. Um, our church, we love missions. We support individual missionaries. We support missions projects. Uh, we go on short-term trips, and I think all of this is is really a part of us we believe that every single person has a role to play. And so the the framework, I guess you could say, that we do missions here at our church is called Kingdom Builders. And so that's really what I'm going to focus in on today. Um, for those of you who are new or maybe those who are part of our church, but, you know, hey, it's always good for us to go back and think about why we do things. I, I think, uh, you know, uh, when we are constantly in a, a routine or a rhythm, sometimes it's good to turn back, to look back and see, okay, why do we call it this? Why do we emphasize this? Why for us is it called kingdom builders? And what does it mean to be a kingdom builder? So for us, kingdom builders is like the broad um, umbrella group and umbrella term that we use for all missions work and all missions giving in our church. So whether that be giving to projects within our local community, whether that be uh, U.S. missionaries, um, those who go around, they may be missionaries to children, they may help with foster care, um, they may do um, college ministry, anything in the the realm of what you would consider U.S. missions or foreign missions, those who uh, go overseas and plant churches, work in Bible college, train pastors, whatever that may look like in the different contexts and in the different countries, all of that happens under the umbrella of Kingdom Builders. So the question today that I'm going to be asking and answering is, why do we call it Kingdom Builders? What is this kingdom that we're building, and why is it so important? So uh, I'm going to hop into the scriptures, and I think that if anything, if you cannot find a scripture for it, um, if we cannot find what this motivation is in the Bible, then you know what are we doing it for? So when we find it in the scriptures, I think the best verse to kick it off is Matthew 24, 14. So this is Jesus. Jesus is talking about, uh, really, he's talking about the end. Uh, The disciples have actually uh, asked him some questions. They're talking about the temple. They're talking about the end of the age. They're talking about um, when will he return. And so this is the backdrop for when Jesus says this. So he's talking about the culmination of the church age. He's talking about what is it going to look like when he returns. And He's talking about lawlessness, people falling away, all of these things, but he ends up this little section before he turns into kind of some particulars by saying this in verse 14 of chapter 24 of the Gospel of Matthew. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. So, this gospel of the kingdom. 
So this is how Jesus is referring to what is going to be taking place before he returns. Now, this kingdom is, of course, the kingdom of God. You see throughout the whole arc of biblical history, you see where God commands Adam, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. There is this this idea of God's kingdom spreading, of God's uh, reign and rule on the earth. We see it start there in Eden. Obviously, sin enters the world. Things change. Things go differently. You see the people of Israel. They fall away. They come back. They had these, you know, the, the, this relationship with God of, of of God delivers them, and then they turn away, and then God, there's there are difficulties that they go through, then they turn back to God, and we see this throughout their history, and then through the line of Israel, through David, we see the king, the Messiah come, we see Jesus' ministry, and we see where, where Jesus says throughout his ministry that the kingdom has come to you today. Um, you see throughout his preaching that he says, you know, this kingdom, this kingdom of God, and he's talking about the kingdom as a, a manifestation, as a product of his earthly ministry. So you see the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see the kingdom moving forward with the display of miracles, signs and wonders, the casting out of demons in his ministry. And so you see this, then that expands obviously with his disciples. Uh, you see him sending out the 70. You say that you know, when he sees these people go out, they come back and say, wow, Jesus, even the demons were subject. And he says, I see, I saw Satan fall like lightning, meaning that when he was sending these out, he sees that the territory of what Satan had is being pushed back. He sees the kingdom expanding into what was the kingdom of darkness. You see this in the apostles. You see Paul, you see Peter going out, uh, planting churches. You see it in the missionary journeys. You see it in uh, Silas and Barnabas and Timothy and all these uh, biblical uh, figures there in the New Testament. You see them going out, planting, expanding the kingdom. You see in the book of Revelation, you see uh, these seven churches of Asia uh, in these difficult situations. You even see one church where John refers to them as being in the, the den of Satan, that the, the, where they were at was like a, a, a home of Satan was how difficult of a place that they were in. So you see the gospel and the kingdom branching out and expanding. And what Jesus says here, I know I did a really brief, quick hit of <laughs> biblical history there, um, but I, I, when you look at this gospel of the kingdom, Christ is saying that it is going to expand throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Now, when you look at that word nations, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, geopolitical nations. Um, he, he's not saying it will expand to the United States, and it will expand to Canada, and it will expand to Italy, and it will expand to Israel, and these geopolitical nations as we think of them today will be reached. He's talking more about ethnic groups of ethne of the world. So he's saying that this gospel would be preached to all peoples, that this kingdom that we're talking about, this kingdom that we're building, is a kingdom in which all peoples will be participants. So 
we're not just talking about a particular group of people saying, oh, well, we are the people of the kingdom or they are the people of the kingdom. It's that God is the God of all nations. Therefore, his kingdom is the kingdom of all nations, of all peoples. And so Jesus is saying that this gospel will be preached as a testimony, as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So we see that when we look at, if you if you think about history for a moment, if you think about from the beginning, from creation, all the way up till now, and then to the return of Christ, you can see this as a big crescendo, as and that's a musical term for a, a time when it gets loud. It goes from soft to loud. And so we see this as one big growth and steady upward trajectory to the return of Jesus. So this steady increase up to the climax of history, which is the return of the king, the return of the Messiah, when we see this, is that the upward movement is the expansion of this kingdom. It's that as we move closer and closer to Christ returning, this gospel keeps spreading and spreading. And so when we think of that, when we when we look at what that means, when we look at how this moves, I think we then begin to see that the entirety of gospel history, the entirety of the biblical narrative is explaining the movement of the kingdom of God, our place in it, and when we look in the book of Revelation, we see that obviously God's kingdom has expanded over the entire world. We see this in the new heavens and the new earth. We see this in the new Jerusalem coming down. We see this in God's reign over the entire new heavens and new earth that has been um, removed of sin and of, of, of any type of imperfection that the perfect creation has come through the rule and reign of King Jesus. And so we see this, then we understand that as people of God, as sons and daughters of God, our role is not just, hey, let's wait and see what happens to this kingdom. No, it's that we are called to be involved in the expanding of this kingdom, that our role and our part to play in the grand narrative of history, in the reason why this world was formed, to praise God, to be a kingdom that glorifies God. Our role is in this expansion of the kingdom. And I think that is amazing. That is life-changing when you realize just what it means to be a member of the kingdom of God, to be an expander of this kingdom, to be a, as we call it, kingdom builder. So how do we do this? Many of you are familiar with the Great Commission, which is, of course, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. that says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we see there is this proclamation of the gospel, which is making disciples, baptizing them. So you're through baptism, we see this identification with Christ. We see that in it we become, through salvation and through baptism, the outward sign of our inward reality. And we see that we are baptized into the body of Christ. So we're not just baptized just to do it. We 
are signifying in some way that we are a part of the church, that we are a part of this body, and then we are teaching them to observe, to become true disciples, to to observe the world. Now, when it says make disciples of all nations, he's talking about this in the same context in which he talked about in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, all nations, all ethne. So here in this Great Commission, Jesus is commanding us to do what he said will be fulfilled in all nations in Matthew 24. So we as kingdom builders, how are we involved? We're going there for making disciples by what we do is we obviously give. We give financially. We do this to help those who are on the ground, boots on the ground missionaries, who are there in country making a difference. Whether that be if they're obviously in an area, you may have an unreached peoples. An unreached people group is defined by having no uh, sustainable gospel presence within the the. Um, people that you're ministering to, whether that be their neighbors, whether that be those who have the same language. Um, This means less than 2% of the population is um, a Christian. And so this is a a country that um, may not have a a strong church. So their ministry is going to look a little different than those who are maybe ministering in a context that has somewhat of an established church, but the majority of the country is still not saved, is still not reached by the gospel, but they have a little bit different of a role. You may have those who are actually individually church planting. Uh, You may have those who are training pastors who are then being sent out to go and they church plant uh, locals who are doing the work of the ministry in that way. And then the the, um, missionary is just helping them, is training them up. Um, You may have a uh, a, a type of ministry where they help with orphans. Uh, we see those uh, rescuing them out of uh, sexual mistreatment, sex trafficking. We've had uh, missionaries on the podcast, the Stanleys, who do just that here in the U.S. We have missionaries across the globe who do that. Um, we have those who help um, in some of the most uh, international context in which we have in the U.S., which is uh, colleges, university campuses who help with Chi Alpha, um, that have uh, contact with uh, students, obviously from the U.S., but students from all across the globe through that ministry. And so you see all that, and that's what we do when we help with discipleship. We also um, go. We go on short-term trips. We go and serve uh, local churches, local pastors, missionaries there helping uh with their ministry in a hands-on way, in the way of we go and if we need, if they need help uh, building, if they need help, uh, you know, with uh, kids ministry, we can resource them. We can help them with a with a VBS, or we can help them do whatever is needed, just as a kind of a boost. You can think of it this way: is that they are they are doing the work of the ministry. They are doing the day by day grind of, of, you know, day in and day out what it means to be a believer. And so for a short-term trip, we come in and we try to put some energy there. We just try to help them in whatever way that they need. We are hands and feet to help them do whatever is their goal, their vision. We just serve them for that week, week and a half, and just go as hard as we can um, to have boots on the ground. Then, of course, everybody can do this, and everybody's expected to do this, and that's pray. Everybody can pray. And it's uh, that's the one non-negotiable of being a kingdom builder is that we pray. Pray 
that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest field. That's what it says in the Word. It says that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It says that, you know, we know here, we see this promise that the gospel will spread, that the kingdom will spread to the corners of the world, that the Great Commission will be fulfilled. We are believing that. And so because of that, then, we need laborers. And so we're praying, we're sending, we're giving, we're going. And that is what it means to be a kingdom builder. That is what the concept, the, the, the heart of what kingdom means in the Scriptures. And so um, I, I, I challenge you, I, I, I recommend, uh, dive deep into those verses. Um, see the cross-references. If you do not have a Bible that has cross-references, I highly recommend doing so. Um, a lot of Bibles do, but some of them are just the plain text. But you'll see that uh, Bibles with cross-references. Um, you'll see that then if you look at um, you know the verse, you can look in the cross-references and see that it may cross-reference to another part of the gospel or different things. And just dive in. You see these verses talking about kingdom. Dive into what this means. Dive into what it's mean meant throughout the entirety of the biblical uh, canon, the biblical scripture, and then see what that means for us today. And so uh, I, I hope you are excited. We have several um, episodes coming up here in the next few weeks where we're going to dive even more particular on what our goals are. We um, are believing that we're going to be a part as a church of some very incredible things here coming up with missions. And we have a heart, we have a desire to see the gospel spread. We don't know all the details. We don't know how, but we are praying very particularly for a few things in the U.S. as well as internationally. And so um, we're going to be talking about those here coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, we might have some guests on here that you do not want to miss. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you are keeping up to date because we have so many exciting things coming out. I hope this has blessed you. If you um, were touched by this or if you uh, know somebody who is excited about missions, wants to know more, share this podcast with them. Um, dive into what the kingdom means for you and for the entirety of the church. So thank you guys so very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.